<laughs> All right, how are you getting on? You well? Hi. How's things? You're looking, you smell great. Can I just say? Would it be weird if I smell you? Hmm. Would it be weird if I smell you? Do you know what I found? Um, I wear an awful aftershave. It's Tony Campbell, by the way. Welcome to the annual 420 podcast. I wear a god-awful aftershave. Um, I saw on YouTube a guy you recommend uh, the best musky uh, under 40 euro. This is how I'm kicking off the show. Uh, under 40 euro aftershave. And it was a Bentley one. You know, like the car? Like the Bentley aftershave. Like a Mercedes, but a Bentley. And um, I ordered it. I smelled it. Didn't smell good. I was like, there's a lot of this. I have to get through. You know? Um, and I started wearing it. And people are like, oh, it smells nice. You know? And I found there's kind of like... There's a big, you know, for, for you want to smell good, all right? You want to smell good. Start with any aftershave. There's a big jump between no scent to some scent. And then the percentage jump from no scent to some scent to get people like, oh, it's not bad, is uh, it's probably like 90% of the way. And then you're really getting into the fucking weeds now with what kind of aftershave, personally. I mean, people have preferences. And, well, you know, I don't know if people are going to know that that is specifically Aesop that you're wearing, you know? Or um, uh, Aqua de Parma, you know? Or um, uh, Tom Ford Leather Cajones, you know? I don't know if they're going to know that that's it. I'm walking, I'm walking around with a fucking car smell, essentially. <laughs> you know but look how you this is not how I wanted to start this show this was meant to be a celebration of of shy talk it's, this is this is why I do this for every year 420 podcast because I firmly believe as a pioneer I want to say um, as a leader in, in public comedic shy talk you know I'm not trying to I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel here. I'm not trying to be clever. <laughs> I'm not trying to be clever, you know? I am trying to, as best I can, replicate, maybe elevate in some levels, the level of unbelievable shy talk. Just fuck you sh- shut up. Shut up. Level shy talk. <laughs> you know? That you would have got live from the shed, you know, back in maybe fifth year. And then maybe again in your second year of college. And then maybe in your third and fourth year. And then maybe you didn't do great. <laughs> and then maybe you didn't do great. Maybe you didn't do too well. You know, that level of shy talk. You know, that's why I'll never, you know, host the late, late show, you know. Because, look, T Forbes, thanks for the fucking call. But, um, you know, uh, how am I going to be on the fucking couch trying to introduce my brand of shy talk? What with your guests? Do you know what I mean? Getting someone there on the couch who survived some woman, Maeve, who survived a fire, you know. And I'm like, Maeve, what should I get a new Mando? <laughs> Maeve, what should I get a new season of Mando? You haven't seen it. All right, if you, would you rather? Um, would you rather die from drowning or being burned alive? Oh shit! No, you actually. <laughs> oh, you actually. Oh shit! Yeah. What would it be then? 
I'm asking the right person. Drown? Not bad. John, probably still go with fire. <laughs> probably still go with fire myself. You know, no disrespect. Um. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. This is going to be really good. This is this is how. This is the best way. Of getting getting going into the shed, getting a little bit silly, Billy. Telling the wife, look after the kids. I'm in there making art. Don't come in. Don't come in. And don't check my browser history. Um, I'm making art in there. Okay. Um, but I tell you how it feels is normally I do these podcasts early morning. I have my coffee. You know, I'm raring to go have my caffeine. I slept <laughs> and I'm full of energy, full of beans, you know. Um, this one is kind of late night. Bit of silly billy juice. Um, you know, and it kind of when I'm feeling, you know, in the morning, it feels like I'm speaking like I got to get people hyped in the morning. You know, I feel like I'm speaking. I need to motivate people in the morning. That's a nice vibe I like to do when I'm doing my podcast. Right now, I feel like I'm performing uh, solo for a sleep paralysis demon. <laughs> That's the kind of vibe I'm on now is I feel like I'm, this is a, a one person audience and the person in the audience is a sleep paralysis demon. Just fucking looking at me with his red piercing eyes, you know, is what is the vibe I'm on now. Um, so there's that, you know. People think all sorts of stuff are sleep paralysis demons, right? I used to have this fucking. I used to when I was living in London. You know how when you live like in a flat, and I'm sorry if this is. Do you know what this probably is this, the case for most people? And I'm sorry. I I don't mean to be you know bragging. That anyway, the point I'm making is, you know, if you live in a flat with a load of people and there's like maybe like five different bedrooms and maybe there's a shared living space, either way, it doesn't matter. Your own space, your own room, you know, is your own biome, you know. <laughs> so that's so weird. Biome. Biome. Your own universe, your own habitat, you know. It's an, it's all it's your things on the walls, you know. A nice lamp is in there. If there's a plant, you're probably not wasting it on them fucking rats that you live with. <laughs> they don't deserve. They don't deserve life. <laughs> they don't deserve greenery. You know. I don't know why I have to go. At these not even real people. Anyway, I'm just saying that you ha- you keep your shit in your room. Like, say you're out and about, and you know, you're like browsing the posters in HMV. You know, and you're going through the all the little cylinders in their little cage. <laughs> That's how I used to like if you're if you're a young zoomer, how we used to if there were cylinders in a cage they'd flip through, you know? And I used to just put my fingers in them sometimes. You know? Just kind of a little feel around. Nothing sexy. Nothing sexy. But they'd all be lined up, little rolls of, of um posters in cages. I might just stick my fucking finger in one for a laugh. It's wrapped in kind of soft plastic. Might lash my fucking finger in there, you know? <laughs> Maybe a few. Maybe five fingers. And think, wouldn't it be great if I took all these out and I had really long fingers? But I'm not going to do that because I'm kind of on a date right now. <laughs> you know? So you go in there and you find a poster. You know, just say, you know, standard poster everyone would want. You know? Maybe it's even two. Maybe it's a take me to your dealer, alien, so I'll get a spliff poster. And the other one is a poster of, like, Anna Cornick over trying to fix her jocks. And you can see a bit of her arse. And that's a poster. You know? And you buy both of them and you're thinking, you know, these are nice. I'm not going to put them in the shared living space, though. You know, they might get ripped. Knowing these fucking law, they might set on fire someday. I'm going to put it in my room. See, the point I'm making is you keep you keep everything in your room. The shared living space is bare bones. You know, 
doesn't even have the nice telly. That's in my room. Because <laughs> I'm a prick, you know. And I came in one day and they had a can very close to it. And I didn't say that and I just took the TV and swapped it with the shit one. <laughs> but it is my TV. Anyway, look, I'm not, I'm not rehashing old fucking quabbles here, right? I'm just saying you keep everything in your room. And I used to keep my jackets in my room. Like all my jackets. You know? And one jacket in particular I kept on a hanger, right? Because I was waiting for the day for it to become fashionable. Because what it was was a leather suit jacket. That was too big for me. But it was lamb's leather. And my dad's been doing this my whole life. He'll have some junk he wants to get rid of and he'll upsell me on it, you know? You know, I've told you this before on the podcast. He used to constantly send us home from his gaff, you know, with a, with a load of cigar boxes that he was going to throw out. He's like, oh, that's cool. He can put, like, fucking three bits of Lego in that. Tiny. He would say, oh, you can probably put your Lego in that. i go home and put three blocks in there. It doesn't even close on a minifig head. Anyway, point, you know, my mom would be like, what's all this? Oh, dad said we could put, like, all cool stuff in these boxes. She'd be like, except for fucking selling your junk. <laughs> you know? And... Anyway, so one of these things, he was like, do you want that now? That's lamb's leather. And I'm like, well, well, you've piqued my interest because I didn't know. All you got to do is say, this is a thing. I didn't know there was a thing. And now I want it, you know. See, this, this is lamb's. As well, like, I was, well, <laughs> I was bought this, this poof. I've talked about this before on the podcast. I'll come back to what I'm talking about with my jacket in a second. But I bought this poof, two poofs, actually, when we were in Marrakesh. And one was expensive and the other one was very cheap. And um, the man, we were haggling, even though I don't know why we were haggling. I could have could have bought both, you know, but I'm like, no, I need this for nine cent, you know, and I will not accept my friend. My friend, please do not disrespect me. I, I, I have nine cent. I've showed you the cash, <laughs> you know, but uh, he was saying, oh, no, this one. Th- no, this one's great. This is cow leather, you know, and it's like this one. Oh, this is goat leather. You know, <laughs> and I'm like, mm, you did something there with your voice and you kind of went like Ugh, kind of a snooty nose thing. So I don't think I want the gold leather. I think I want the cow leather one. You know, well, that's more expensive. Ah, shit. I'm in a quandary here, <laughs> you know, but he was saying my dad was like, this is lamb's leather. I'm like, whoa, you know, and then I had, like, you know, a lamb shit, like a baby one. And then I was like, oh, should we eat lamb? Ah, and then, you know, you just stuff that guilt somewhere. You know what I mean? I saved a lamb that was on the road. The M9, I think it was, passed by a farm. So there's a lamb out on the road. Walking on the road. It, its mother had died. Its sheep, ma'am, we found out later, had died. And so this thing had been walking around, not been able to get milk and sustenance. And I was like, fucking hell, i got to do something about this. So we pulled over, picked up the lamb. It was heavy. Picked it up, though. And it was just all, you know, innocent and fucking, like, ah. And I brought it up to the farmer. And I was like, and he's like, oh, its mother it must have has died and maybe he hasn't been able to feed off any other sheep. I was like, that's awful. Well, look, at least I rescued it. You know, we went fucking straight to where we were Connemara, had lamb for dinner. I had lamb for dinner. I was like, oh, fuck. I was really, it was really like, I'm never eating lamb again. I saved a lamb. And I was like, you just forget what it is. Why are we eating sheep? We all have slow cookers. Everyone's like, nah, and a mutton. <laughs> mutton. <laughs> you know, if it's, I can deal with the tenderness of it. Whatever. I'm just saying, sorry. My doctor upsold me on this uh, jacket. Too big. You know, he's taller than me. You know, only by an inch, you know, to be fair. You know, but he's taller than me. And um, 
And so the the arms are very long and he wear a looser fit. So I was like, it would actually be quite fashionable now. This leather suit jacket would be quite fashionable now. You see people walking around with them, you know, but this is like lapels. This is like, you know, anyway. So <laughs> anyway, he upsold me on this jacket. I had this jacket and I was waiting for it to be cool. And I'm like, it's one fucking day. I'm going to walk into Dalston, uh, you know, when I live in London and I'm going to see some lad who is pretty hot. And I'm going to be like, I wish you know, I had a jacket like that. And I'm like, oh, shit, I do, you know? Because trends come out of nowhere, you know? All of a sudden, there's no mullet, and the mullet's back. You saw one lad, and you're like, oh, shit, a mullet. Second guy, it looks pretty good. Third guy, I want it. I want a mullet. So what do I do? Hi, sorry, can I talk to you for a second? What's through the hair? How do I do it? Okay, thank you, bye. You know? So I was waiting for there to be an absolute right hook of a breaking trend. Of leather suit jackets. Anyway, it wasn't coming for ages, but I used to, I was keeping it. I'm like, that's in good. I want to keep that in good nick. My dad said it's probably three hundred pounds. Pounds now, though, you know, Irish punts, you know. So I was waiting to wait for this. Day. Anyway, I had this leather jacket hanging up on my door, and remember, I'm talking about sleep paralysis here, right? And every single night, I would wake up and see this jacket. I'm like, ah, and it would fucking scare the life out of me. I was thinking, all right, here comes a fucking demon to steal my soul. Right. Here comes a demon to steal my soul. I'm just going to open up my mouth. Oh, you can have it. I'm not even going to fight. <laughs> I'm not even going to fight. It's yours. Oh, you can take it. What pitch would you like me to sing that makes it easier for you to harvest my soul? <laughs> you know? Do you know? Does anyone fucking know what that means? Anyway, every night I would wake up and be terrified of this. And I never moved it. I'm like, ah, no, you know? It haunted me in the day. It haunted me at night. This leather suit jacket. I mean, it's probably something in your room right now. Maybe that isn't like waking you up with night terrors. It's just being on a hanger. But you know, you just, you just, you just become. It's what um, Ricky Roma, Al Pacino says in Glengarry Glen Ross. He goes, "Train cars smell vaguely of shit. You get it, so that you don't even notice." You can't even smell it. And he's talking about how you just get used to there being shit in train cars. <laughs> and also, crazy, it's crazy jackets. Anyway, what a, um, I'm going to stop talking about this jacket now. Oh, And I'm also kind of missing it, you know what I mean? Because I'm telling you, people will be like, where'd you get that fucking jacket? You know? I was rocking a leather hat cap for a while. My mate Joe went to a Turkish leather factory um, and came back with his leather hat. And I, you know, I wore it for three years before it was cool, and then I lost it while it was cool. It was a tough time for me in the leather game. Um, and that, I think that's kind of what, that was in my teens, and I think that's what kind of spurred me on to keep the jacket. <laughs> oh my God, this is so boring. Anyway, what else going on? Do you know what? Actually, here's something that's going on. I overheard the mightiest. Oh my God. It was glorious. Mightiest of clangers. Um at a bar, I was in Lanzarote there, uh, and I don't know how to say Lanzarote. I can't say Lanzarote because I don't, I don't hide my T's normally, but I don't like saying Lanzarote, so I don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't know. This is kind of my point, to be perfectly honest, right? I, I realized like, I, I had to challenge prejudices that I've had since my early twenties, probably when I was like living in London. Uh, and, you know, you'd pass by proper salt-of-the-earth pubs. Pubs where all they want to do is have football on, 
some cold beers and do a bit of karaoke every night, you know? Which is like, what's fucking amazing? Why? What's wrong with that? But for whatever reason, I'm, I was just like, I don't know, a bit fucking snooty maybe in my 20s, where I'm like, you know, why aren't you playing the klaxons in there? Um, why aren't you just fucking playing the klaxons? Landlord, just checking your jukebox here. It's got no We Are Scientists on it. <laughs> you know, where's your Interpol? Where's your Interpol? What, mate? What? But I also was kind of a bit jealous, you know, some of the pubs. It's just like doing karaoke all night. Anyway, Lynn Lanzarote, and already. I'm just seeing a strip of just Irish and Brit bars and people just having beers, watching football, doing karaoke. And I'm like, this is actually class. Like, that's, if you're talking about quality of life, you know, is does it get any better than being warm, seeing karaoke, having a nice cold beer? And if you're not into the karaoke, you can uh, watch the, the the football on TV. That's when Brian McFadden... I'm just going to pivot for a second here, and I'll get back to the clanger. That's when I, I was out on Brian McFadden, right? And you know I'm not Brit here, right? But when he leaves Westlife, and he's got a song where he's... His first single outside of Westlife is a song where he's walking around um, Hampstead Heath, right? And he's he's trying to be like a rock band now. He's got like a band and this solos, this guitar solos in his song, you know. And there's one bit of the song, the bridge of the song, and it goes, "We'd invite the family round and have some English tea, and then I'd stick up my finger and watch football on TV." Don't forbid a busted thing, but I wasn't a huge fan of him saying he'd have English tea. Whatever, whatever reason at the time, you know. Obviously, you can do whatever you want now, but some people prefer that. Some people don't like berries. I want a Yorkshire breakfast tea or whatever. Earl Grey, hot. Picard can order Earl Grey hot, but I won't tolerate it in a song lyric from Brian McFadden. Anyway, I'm just saying, I was walking by the strip, and there's a lot of big fucking cactuses, cacti in uh, Lanzarote. And there was a bunch of lads sitting around. And you could tell, like, this is their first, you know, clean table. They're looking good, looking ready. You know, what would be the kind of Lanzarote... You know, Hanzarotti, mate. Busy hands. Time to kick off the fucking night with a couple of pints, you know. Is this Hanzarotti or not? I'm trying to think of a better, you know, kind of a shagaloof thing for Lanzarotti. Anyway, that's not a good one. And one of the lads were like, oh, this is lovely, mate. Oh, real picturesque, right? And one of the lads, who happened to be the smallest one, said, oh, yeah, mate. And see those cactuses? And they're like, oh, yeah. They're so big. And no one, they're like, oh, yeah. Mate, they're so big, it's almost like something magical or something. You know, and the lad's, <laughs> and the lad's like, yeah, yeah. And he goes, do you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if Walt Disney had the rights to this place. <laughs> because of the size of the cactuses. <laughs> Absolute. Some, if you, you've just entered the quietest room in the world. The room that you can only remain for whatever seventeen minutes before you go clinically insane. It was that quiet, you know. Mate, so many cactuses, you know, and they're so big. I wouldn't be surprised if Walt Disney had the rights to this place. They're so you know magical. <laughs> <laughs> and they were just like, oh, you know, it was beautiful, beautiful. I want to live in it. It was a mighty clangor, but it also, you know, I it, I I did. It, I was walking around. I'm like, this is actually pretty good. And I would, for some reason, I saw a lot of Brit pubs, Irish pubs, and I just thought, oh, this place isn't for me, you know? And then I'm like, but what's not for me, you know? Maybe I wouldn't be watching the footy all day, but the rest of it's pretty, you know, it's fucking good as it gets, you know? Tell you it was extra nice, though. 
absolutely fleecing the breakfast buffet. Oh my god. Oh my god. They probably cried when they see saw me leave. They probably had statues of me up in the kitchen that they tore down and then threw shoes at. Because the reign of terror was over. <laughs> you know? Um <laughs> because I fucking you can call me Danny Ocean of the Oceans franchise. Because the heist that I was pulling on that every morning. It was a fucking mission, you know? It was a mission. I'm there, like, fucking splashing the cash, getting my own flip, some stupid Spider-Man hat. Doesn't even spell Spider-Man right. With the greatest respect of the people of Lanzarote, you know? It, there, was like, there wasn't, the, there wasn't the, the dash in between Spider and Man. And it also said Spider-Man. And then in the kind of writing where it would say The Amazing Spider-Man, it said Spider-Sense, you know, 100% unofficial Spider-Man hat. Spent eight quid on it. Right, but I was not buying a roll. <laughs> but I was not buying a roll, you know. Some woman came out while we were on the kind of uh, promenade one night, and she had one of those kind of like light up kind of spinny orbs that they sell outside the Point Depot. Sometimes, you know, people go and see fucking Taylor Swift in the Three Arena, getting a fucking magic wand. And I saw some woman walking down the road. And I'm like, I'm definitely buying all these. <laughs> you know, she was walking too fast, so I couldn't get them off her. So that I'm just that level of just fucking waste of cash. But I was still not paying four euro for a bucket deal. When I could get one at home, you know, and I started off small, you know, got an extra roll after the first breakfast at under the table, just trying to open it under the table, couldn't it open, you know, looked like I was having a nice little play with myself, a little piddle, you know, my little Mickey under the table, that's what it looked like to everyone else, I'm like, what are you doing, I'm just making a little roll, you know, and I was real timid at first, one slice of cheese, maybe a bit, bit of salami, that's it, we'll just... We'll, we'll, if we're a bit peckish later, Terry, we can have this give us the young fella, right? By the end, oh my God. It was like a Pauly Goodfellas uh, prison dinner scene. <laughs> everything laid out. Like it was like a sous chef. I had everything laid out there. You know, somewhere beyond the sea. And Tony had a way of stuffing too much fucking meat into a roll that was just delicious. <laughs> it was great. By the end, right, the rolls I was doing were per roll, right? I was putting in two slices of cheese. Um... Three bits of salami, two bits of parma ham, slice of breakfast bacon in there, and as well, like, two, like, wedges of cheese, as well as the other cheese. And then, for whatever reason, even though it didn't need it, some English ham, some fine English ham, mate. Or whatever, you know, just not, like, kind of marbled fat the ham. You know, fresh ham. Stuff I'm hungry now. Stuffed in there as well. Um, you know, but on, <laughs> on the first day, we tried to, it was like, how do we get the roll out of here without them kicking off? Or, like, you just assume everyone's looking at you, you know? And you realize... What I've said before, that we all are too busy thinking about what other people think about us to be focused on what anyone else is doing, you know? So they were not looking at me. They were trying to get people to their seats. And I'm there fucking sweating, holding one roll. And I'm like, stuff it under, stuff it under Indy. Put it under Indy. Put it under my five-month-old daughter in the pram. I'm like, they're not going to search a pram, Derry. I'm sorry for screaming. This is a very high-stress environment here, right? They're not going to search a baby. If they do, then we're fucking getting out of here anyway. They'd do something like that. <laughs> <laughs> stuff on she's sitting there on one side because there's a fucking roll under one arse cheek right you know and that's not good for the posture of a child but it was worth it for the buck deal by the end I tell you it was like walking out with six rolls a roll in between each finger walking out there like fucking Wolverine fucking <laughs> six rolls three three claw rolls in each hand you know what are you gonna do about it what are you gonna do bub don't make me go berserker on you bro I got adamantium in these bones. <laughs> you know? Mother-in-law. Mortified. Mortified. <laughs> you know? But you just gotta, you just gotta, you know, 
you gotta lean into it, you know. We were eating the rolls later, Terry was like, Oh, that's actually really good. It's a lovely roll. And I was like, Yeah, the the secret ingredient is theft. Winking at the ma. You know? Um <laughs> No, she was fine with it. She was fine with it. But, you know, what's she gonna do? What what's she gonna do? Tell Terry to divorce me because of a roll. <laughs> you know? Take away my kids. Take away my fucking kids because of a roll. Can't believe we're having this chat. Um so that was nice. She was loving it as well. She was actually loving it. It was actually turning her on, seeing me steal. Not no, my mother-in-law, my, my wife, right? Terry was loving it, watching me make all these bocadillos. There was one day I had my, I was making three, and I was stuffing them full of meat. She was looking at me because I had my system down, you know? And I was being quite, you know, efficient with the time, you know? And she looked at me with love in her eyes, and she said, you know, you're a great dad, you know? Very sexy. <laughs> Very sexy, you know? And I'm the, I'm stealing for her. And I'm like, this is because this is for the family. You know, I'm like Walter White, actually. <laughs> you know, I'm doing this for my family. Hank! Hank! You know, I'm doing this for my family. You know, I just want to set them up good for the day with a belly full of processed meat. <laughs> you know? Um, but I, I will say this, actually. She was looking at me with lust in her eyes while I was making these bocadillos for my family. You know? She's looking at me and I'm like that poster. The 90s poster of the uh, of the topless buff man holding the baby. You know, the one that all the ladies loved. You know, I'm like uh, David Gandhi holding a baby, black and white, as far as she's concerned. You know, until uh, one of the waiters walked by and her head hit the fucking her head. She looked down. She's like she was trying to find something under the table. Like there was a jewel on her foot, you know, she's trying to disown me. And I'm like, bae, if I'm going down, I'm taking everyone, every member of your family down with me as well. Not a fucking hope. I'm taking the whole fucking family down, especially you. And what are they going to think? Oh, you're just dining with a bocadillo thief? With um, El Tefe? We call him El Tefe. Why? Well, just there's usually a lot of deli meats there. And then after about nine o'clock, half nine sometimes, when he's a bit hungover, um, all of a sudden all the, all the meat's gone, you know, and all the rolls are gone. And we still don't know who it is or what it is. We just call it El Tefe. <laughs> you know, and she's acting like... And then what are they going to be? Just, you happen to be dining with El Tefe. And you would, you were not uh, complicit in these plans of this heist, you know? Andy Garcia is there in the bullpen, freaking out. <laughs> Where's all my salami? <laughs> you know? He's freaking out. He's gone full Godfather 3 on everyone. I'm trying to bite the ears off the wait staff. I'm like, stop it. Stop it. Stop. We'll find the, <laughs> we'll find the meat. Um, I'm into the gangster movies at the moment, as you can tell. But anyway, so... Yeah, so that was fun. That was nice. I tell you what. I mean, I hadn't been on Ryanair in a while because I hadn't really I hadn't gone anywhere in a while, you know? And it was four hours on Ryanair. And, you know, and all the things I was just realizing, I'm like, this is kind of small. Like, you know, it's I haven't, I haven't, I've flown exclusively Ryanair, but it's been so long. I'm like, this is kind of small. Like the leather suit jacket that you have in your room that terrifies you every night. You learn just to tolerate things. You know, and we've all learned to tolerate Ryanair flights, but I like I want it like it's it's happened over such an amount of time. Every all the liberties that have been taken away that we just get not to notice it. You know, Ricky Roma style, you get so you don't even realize. And uh, I wanted just to be I wanted just to be like a nuisance, but I didn't want to like annoy. I didn't do this, but I was like I had fantasies in my head. You know, like I want to I want to like you know. Death of a Thousand Cuts annoy someone. Michael O'Leary about this, you know? But 
by proxy, maybe one of the air stewards and be like, hi, sorry, ding. Um, these seats are kind of small. Hmm. Well, can we, can, something we can do about that? No, no, this is just the size of Ryanair's seats. Okay, all right, bye. Ding. Hi, sorry, um, there's nowhere to put all my shit. Like, I'm, you know, you know that little pouch that you normally have on, on normal airlines? That's not here. So all my stuff is just on my lap, like I'm a tramp, <laughs> you know? I got my Nintendo Switch on my left knee and all the stolen bocadillos <laughs> that I stole from breakfast this morning on my right knee, right knee Houston, you know? Is there, you know, yeah, well, we don't we do not do that anymore. Oh, okay, you know. Ding! The, I can't get any air here. There's no air, it's too hot, <laughs> you know? Just again, death of a thousand cuts to this poor air steward. I was having fantasies of doing that, you know? But I was like, you know, it's hard for them. This is just, you know, this is NXT for them before they get into the WWE, like British Airways or something like that, you know? A nice airline, you know? I will say this, though. Aer Lingus. Uh, wolves in sheep's clothing, right? They're just as bad. They're just as bad. But they got that heritage behind them, you know? They got that heritage behind them. Even even my mother-in-law was saying to the young fella, we were there, like, staring out the planes on the way to the holiday, and she's like, do you see those planes there? Point at Aer Lingus. Those are the, uh, the Irish airline, Sonny. That's the Irish plane, she was saying, you know? Because it's got that old heritage, you know, of Aer Lingus prestige. Put on your fucking suit, mate. You're getting on Aer Lingus. Would you Stop. Put a tie on. Put a leather suit jacket on. You're getting you're flying with the big leagues now, Aer Lingus. They're just as bad. Same quality. And I haven't fully forgiven them for the time that they stranded me in London for Christmas. Ryanair, we're still flying. Aer Lingus like, no, uh, we're just actually a bit worried. We kind of want to ma- maintain our 0% plane crash <laughs> uh, ratio that we got going for us. Ryanair's like, no. Nah. You know, by hook or by crook, I'm getting these people home for Christmas. You know? We got... Chris Rea blaring in that cockpit. We're getting y'all home tonight. Tap the dough and tail back. Rickety thing all through the turbulence. You know? So I haven't fully forgiven them for that. But Ryanair, I tell you, all the liberties, you know? First, they came for the 10K bag, and I said nothing. Then they came for uh, the tiny seats, and I said nothing. Then they came for taking away that little flap at the front where you put all your shit in that you lose all the time. You're just always losing shit. And you're probably wrecking their head, being like, sorry, I left my passport in there. And it's probably using serious amount of man hours to get all that shit back to you. And we lost a lot. We lost a case on the way over, left at Dublin Airport, right? We left, um, not me, right? But someone else, right? Left a case there. Wife left the phone on the plane. And it was another moment, right? She left her phone on the plane. And we were just like, what do we do? How do we do this? You know? And I got straight off on my iPhone. Started hitting ding, 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 ding. Setting the alert. Ding, ding. Realized location still on the tarmac of the plane. So then uh, made that loud noise. Called it. Someone picked it up. The loud noise was still going. Ding, 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 ding. While I was on the phone with this woman. She got it back from Lost and Found. My wife looked at me with hearts in her eyes. She couldn't believe it. And she was even saying to Sonny, he's like, do you know how good your daddy is at technology? That he was able to find my phone and get it back, you know? It's so amazing being literate in basic apps to a fucking Amish wife, (laughs) you know? She's good with tech. She's not bad at tech. But I look like, you know, DC's cyborg to my wife, you know? Honestly, you can look so impressive just by having a rudimentary knowledge of basic accessible apps. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like as well, I, uh, my father-in-law, he wanted to watch um, a Leinster match or something. 
So um, he was like, is there any way of watching Leinster matches? Uh, you know, you know, I normally go on the RT player, but we're away. And I'm like, well, you can use a VPN, I said. And he's like, what? What are you talking You know, his head was spinning. He had heard three letters in conjunction, in a row, they'd never heard in that particular order before. VPN, what is that? And I'm like, well, it's kind of a thing that, kind of a proxy, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm milking it now because I can tell that he's interested, you know. He's like, what are you talking about? Oh, it's kind of a proxy. Basically, what you can do with VPN is you can uh, make it so your uh, IP address, again, what? What? Again, IP, what are you talking about, you know? Um, is this guy speaking in code? Has my daughter married Cypher from The Matrix? <laughs> you know? Joey Pants, the guy who can see in code. <laughs> Yeah, you just get the actually get a it's a kind of a proxy IP address makes the uh, makes it appear that you're um you're streaming from your home country you know so I could make I could make it look like I'm streaming anywhere America Ireland yeah, Ireland I want that one well I can do that for you <laughs> I can do that for you you know all it's going to take is your daughter's hand in marriage um and so I got it from now I did kind of I did blimp it then to be fair. Because then I gave him the wrong password to my laptop and he couldn't log in. I got like 20 missed calls off him. He missed the first half. But, <laughs> but for a moment there, I was like cyborg from the DC EU franchise. You know? Um, you know, seeing in code, you know? Um, so it's good. It's good to have. A re- but yeah, it was almost a bit of a curse trip. Lost the phone. Um Left left a case on the flight on the way back again. Not me, you know. But I tell you, it's fucking hard. Wrangling a bunch of lovely, lovely kids when you're trying to pack. It's like a funny game. It's like a Japanese game show where you know they're like, okay, you know, they're everyone's excited. There's like five guests on a panel that are all laughing. Three of them are stunning Japanese women. Two of them have glasses. You know, they're all Japanese, like, ah, like laughing at everything. And you just see someone just packing up a, a suitcase, you know. And then all of a sudden, a, a literal goblin from Takeshi's castle just runs in, starts taking everything out, blah, 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 yeah, and everyone's laughing. Ah, and then there's spillages, you know, the goblin shits itself. You know, that is what it's like. Is, is that literally having kids trying to pack a bag, you know, Japanese game show. And so then trying to keep a tally of all the bags and the kids and the fear that you have. Of like, what if he actually walks off with another family gets another flight? I've seen Home Alone too, right? It happens. Trying to make sure. Now, Sonny, you know, you got to stay beside me, pal. You know, we have your passport here. I don't give a fuck about passport. Just like I shouldn't, you know? He's treating that airport like, you know, like you used to. Like back in Home Alone too. Being like, yeah, I'm going to go over here now. Yeah, I might get on this flight, actually. <laughs> I'm going to take all these Haribo out of WH Smiths. And what are you going to do about it? You know what I mean? I want this magazine, so I'm going to have it. <laughs> I'm going to have it, you know. There's a stupid fucking uh, Paw Patrol magnifying glass on the front of this magazine. I'm going to reef it off, and you're going to have to buy the magazine, you know. Just living life to the fullest, you know. I can't act like that's not how it should be, you know. We're walking around terrified, you know. Oh, no, we have everything in order. We have all the boarding passes. Is the brightness for the for the king. We are going to show these boarding passes to the king, okay. Make sure they're adequate brightness. We cannot waste a second. And then he scans and beep, beep, you know. And you don't back away from the king. You know, you turn around. Thank you. And you're bowing as you're leaving, as you're going through customs. Thank you very much, you know. You put a bit of sun cream in the case that you're, that you're bringing through. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, my God, he's going to flay me. I'm going to be flayed. 
they're, they're stopping they're opening my bag they're opening my bag you think it's like fucking gack it's like a pound of gack and all it is is a bit of sun cream you're like oh my god yeah. is this your water yeah it is I'm sorry no children are allowed to have water ah see I'm playing with you I'm a panther and you're a little mouse and I'm just fucking playing with you is this your water yeah children are allowed to have water uh, you know so am I I'm okay are you going to put your hands on my arse or not am I okay <laughs> am I okay to walk on you know without obviously turning my back without anyone putting an iron on my arse thank you thank you you know and then because you get through alive you're like that was that was brilliant that was amazing that was amazing now let's get a 15 euro sandwich to celebrate it's awful you know and people to be like can you believe you know can you believe those people who emigrated you know in the 1800s getting on those ships you know not even knowing if they're going to re- cross the Atlantic and get to New York, you know. But I say, at least you can fucking walk around, you know. They're going, they're walking around 500 mils of L'Oreal in their rags, you know. Easy, easy. You know me, you know I'm not as into the conspiracy theories anymore. Ever since I realized with my own that I can't be going down a conspiracy theory rabbit hole when I haven't read the official story, you know. I was just, it wasn't so much conspiracy theory, uh, an interest in that as it was an interest in being, you know, a contrarian, you know, at the dinner table, uh, you know, to show my dad that I'm still kind of rad, you know. Um, when I realized, as I said, I wasn't reading the full story, I'm like, I can't really, you know, I can't even be a contrarian because I don't even know that. So, um, But I do wonder what the next, you know, what, no, it's not even conspiracy theory because, you know, obviously, you know, there was too many terrorist stacks. Too many, you know, one's enough. I suppose I'm happy to go through that. I suppose I am if it prevents terrorist attacks. It's not great. But I do wonder what the next thing would be that is like, oh, well, for your own protection, you're going to have to just endure an extra hour doing something that normally used to be quite fun. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Again, this podcast is sponsored by, no, there's no sponsor in this one. I couldn't do that to them. Um, you know what I mean? Although I do have to say, they were very, I have had some bad experience going through customs and all that. People being like, come on, move, what are you doing? You know, it was very pleasurable. Everyone nice, you know, you're going through a family, they're like, oh, go through here, we'll take all your passports, take a scan all your things, you know. Uh, I, I did a hard smash. I smashed that like button. Well, the kind of smiley green face of how was your day today? You know, it has those little varying degrees of, of happy and sad faces. Smashing that green, you know, thought they were lovely. Joking with me, Uncle, saying, oh, no, you can bring the baby through. That's fine. Oh, no, just pop that up there. Very nice, I have to say. Very impressed. Very impressed. DAA, pack your your bags because you're getting on a plane. (laughs) Now, pat yourself on the back. Do you know what it'll actually probably be? And I'm, again, you know, you you know me. I'm I'm banging this drum. I'm out out of the conspiracy theory game, but I do think, because it's inevitable, there will be too big a alien encounter. That'll make it undeniable for world leaders having to, because they are here now. They're here now. They're encountering, they're, you know, there's Tic Tacs zooming through the sky. And there's people saying like, yeah, I've flown with the Air Force for 18 years, never seen anything like that. never seen a Tic Tac do that. I normally put them in my mouth. I normally get a refreshing taste of mint, spearmint, sometimes orange, sometimes. If I'm in Spain, I'm feeling fancy, you know. But um, these Tic Tacs are here. They are hostile. You know, that people say that now. That's that's on record now. That's on government record across the globe, you know. Um, that there have been weird what are they even called? USPs? 
<laughs> or UFOs. What's the new name of UFO? I've, I've asked this before. UAPs, Unexplained Aerial Phenomena, right? That's happening right now. And there'll be something be like, hey, look, we've had some communications with some aliens. And look, <laughs> it's not that it's bad, but it's not good, you know? And you'll probably even only find out about this. This news will break. And you'll probably only find out about, about memes, you know? You'll have people saying, I actually think this is better. I actually think the aliens actually will do a better job. You know, it'll it'll become a culture war in a second of the news breaking. And I'll find out about, about some fucking, you know, some 2FM DJ <laughs> saying, I actually, do you know what? I actually think the aliens do a better job in this fucking government, you know? And then I'll be like, what? I'm going to click in, find about this, go into the shockingly awful Twitter search to try and find out what people are talking about, you know? And then there'll be a bunch of those uh, Stephen Ray kind of taking names, <laughs> memes, you know? Oh, this guy fucking took the soup with the, with the fucking aliens real quick, you know? All these memes. Um, does anyone know the, you know the Ned Broy meme from Michael Collins, you know? And I don't know what the, I don't know what the policies will be after that. I'll probably, I mean... Again, I'm not saying COVID is no conspiracy. I do not believe COVID was a conspiracy. But what I will say is that I was very willing because I was scared to give full uh, agency over my plans, my rights. Um, I don't want to say freedoms. I was willing, willing to do that. And I don't regret it, you know. So what would be the next thing that I would willingly give over a rapid change of policy about, and it would be aliens, 100%. I mean, wouldn't you? If if there was, like, a breaking news on Sunshine 106.8, <laughs> my favorite radio station, if they were like, yeah, a couple of grey aliens spotted in Phoenix Park, you'd be like, ah, oh, what? <laughs> ah, oh, no. <laughs> oh. You know, and then, uh, you know, an emergency broadcast from Varadkar. Being like, uh, new, new, uh, new rule. Uh, no one's ever leaving their gaff. <laughs> like, that's fine. I'm all right with that. <laughs> I'm okay with that. You know, and I'm not trying to. I'm not sorry. I'm not trying to make like flippant comparisons to COVID. I'm just saying that the next thing that makes me stay indoors, better be a fucking big alien boy. <laughs> Telling you what, you know, I am now a bit afraid. Now, I is you know, I suffer from xenophobia, which I will say <laughs> is not. I'm not a racist. But, no, I'm not a racist. That is the official term for actual a fear of actual aliens. And it's unfortunately been co-opted by actual racists, you know. And actually, no, it's kind of been co-opted by people who are, who are afraid of racists, you know. People who don't like racists. They're like, oh, you're a xenophobe. And I'm like, look, don't be giving, don't be lumping me in with them. I am a xenophobe. You know, I'm afraid of xenomorphs, like actual, there's aliens. Zeno is like alien, foreign, not foreigners. <laughs> but look, I'm not, don't take anything out of context from this podcast, but I am a xenophobe <laughs> because I'm afraid of tall gray aliens. You know, hopefully that was too, you know, too small of a gap for anyone to do anything with that out of context. Um, but, <laughs> oh God, but I am afraid, I'm a bit spooked now, you know. But I am scared. It's always it's always the thing that you think that you're afraid of that you think is going to come for you, <laughs> you know, like ghosties and all. You'd be watching Paranormal Activity, and then like you know, you hear a noise, and you're like, "How did they know I was? What a coincidence! The ghosts come for me now. Why didn't they come for me when I was watching Love Island? Why are they coming for me now watching Paranormal Activity? You know, 
<laughs> you know? Or you're watching Mindhunter and you hear a noise and I'm like, that's what coincidence a serial killer is just burst in the door. There should be like, is there, actually, let me ask ChatGPT. Let's see. Is there a word in any language, because it could be a German one, for the phenomena of when you're watching a scary show about ghosts and you hear the sound in your room and you think it might be a ghost? I'm not aware of any language that describes this particular phenomenon. However, the experience can generally be described as suspension of disbelief when your mind becomes so engrossed in the scary show that it begins to feel like a real, ex a real experience. Suspension of disbelief. It is also possible that the feeling could be related to anxiety or heightened emotional arousal caused by the scary show, which could make you more sensitive to the sounds around you. There you go. Uh, not good enough, so I'm going to go for... Actually, we'll make it Irish. All right. Um, what is the Irish for the TV monster? Because that's all it is, guys. All right. You're freaking out. It's just a telly monster, guys. Just a fucking TV monster. Um, the Irish language translation for the TV monster is on Tulavest Telefish. That's quite catchy. On so Telavest, Telavest, the the Telavest phenomenon, where it's actually in Irish uh, in etymology, it's uh, it's when you kind of uh, feel like you've summoned the very thing that you're afraid of because it's on the telly. There you are, the Telavest phenomenon. I coined it. It's mine. Actually, do you know what? And this brings us full circle. I've closed the loop on this one, right? That's what sleep paralysis is. That's what your big fucking leather suit jacket is, right? It's you in a heightened sense, uh, emotional state, heightened arousal, that you're more sensitive to the things, uh, the, the, the visuals of a big jacket in front of you. I think I've closed the loop on that. And I think in my state, <laughs> this is the best cap for this particular episode. I want to thank you a lot for listening to this pure self-indulgence of a man and shit. Smoking a bit of weed and chat joy. Thank you very much for that. What a dream come true. What a life. Here's some more self-indulgences for you. Uh, I'm going to be performing in two Eurovision-related shows, uh, both of which are selling very well, surprisingly. Uh, one is the Bureau de Change Song Contest in Liberty Hall on the 12th of May, uh, where myself and a rake load of very, very funny comedians are going to be picking countries to perform as with made-up songs, funny songs, all looking to win the prize of Bureau de Change Song winner. It was really fun. We've done it twice before. It's a quality show. It's probably going to get even bigger next year. So get in on the ground level. Get your ticket now. Another one is May 13th. Saturday, myself, Shane Daniel Byrne, Killian Sunderman, and Fanula J are going to be watching the Eurovision live. It's a Eurovision watch-along live in the Sugar Club. We're going to be watching the whole show. We're going to be talking in between the acts. We're going to be giving our two cents. There's going to be games. There's going to be prizes. There's going to be musical acts. Probably us, but performing music. It's going to be great. And uh, tickets are available for that. They're at a pretty good price over on Sugar Club's uh, website. What else? Um... I'll be doing some live podcasts soon. If you want to get the skinny and get early bird tickets on them, you can do so over on patreon.com forward slash Tony Catwell, where you can also get, for the price of a pint a month, uh, a, an extra podcast. One big, sometimes bigger podcast uh, every single Friday, including uh, other perks like early bird tickets, access to a Discord server. Uh, and if you are looking to not spend fiver on something, you can spend on this and you get four more extra podcasts. 50, over 50 extra podcasts a year that you haven't heard. In fact, there's even a backlog of over 100 episodes you haven't even heard yet, right? Um, 
none of them like this, like 420, where I'm a bit loosey-goosey, but still really good. Um, and that's it. Thank you very much for listening. Um, I love you a lot, and you make my dream come true. So, fuck. Bye.